in just one week's time, Mitch, we will be analyzing and breaking down IHSA football brackets. We're here, man. It's it's the best time. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but I won't, we can't put that on Twitter because we'll go to jail. No, I can hear those sleigh bells jingling already. <laughs> um, yeah, we got one week left and then it's, it, I mean, what can you say? It's the best time of the year. We got playoffs coming up. We got the pairings coming out here. And like you said, in less than a week, we got playoff shows coming up. And then uh, we'll be we'll be looking at, at first round matchups. So looking forward to recapping what we saw this week and really talking about how the playoffs work and what the scenarios are here coming up. You've been doing your homework, so let's uh, let's get into it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, did you have any chili and cinnamon rolls this weekend? I had one, but not the other. Uh, it was it was cold uh, uh, here, as I'm sure it was there. So chilly weather is, I mean... Look, there's no bad time of the year for chili, right? But now that we're getting into the 50s on on the high uh, throughout the days, we're definitely in chilly weather. So, no, I did not. I, I, listen, I'm disappointed in the poll results. Um, <laughs> the, the mystery remains that how some people have heard about this and some people have not. But yeah. you know what? If you haven't tried it, try it. Don't knock it until you try it. Um, all, all for the uh, the chili and cinnamon rolls. Uh, my wife, uh, born and raised in small town, Iowa, just outside of the Quad Cities, had never heard of it, Mitch. She also was shocked to hear that combination. She did not understand it. So I'm sorry. I tried to go to her for some backup for you. and I It's, it's their loss, not mine. <laughs> I also had, I enjoyed a delicious pot of chili that I made myself. So uh, yeah, it was, it's a good weekend. But now we are, we are here. We are on the doorstep of the playoffs. Is it? Is it almost as fun or more fun in this week before we are analyzing it and breaking it down? I mean, I guess it is more fun to be in the actual playoffs, but this is fun. It's all fun from here on out. Yeah, you know, every season is different. This this season, at least with the conferences that we cover, we've got one conference champion crowned, but everyone else is still up for grabs. We know who has a share, at least, but we don't know if those teams are going to win outright or not. So yeah, there's certainly excitement still in the regular season, but I think you're right. When you get down to this week and you look at the games that are going to be played in week nine and you start looking at class cutoffs and who's sitting at four and four and who's sitting at five and three and what's going to happen with some of these teams that are on the outside looking in exciting is one word for us it's probably stressful for a lot of other people that are are playing the game so you know it it takes all nine weeks you can't do it all the time and, and less than that so yeah this is this is going to be a fun week to see how the regular season wraps up and then it's a quick turnaround what 24 hours after after friday night's game there there could be some games on saturday i suppose but those playoff pairings come out saturday night so really looking forward to uh, not only the games but then this weekend too when we get the teams announced brackets announced and then of course the uh, the playoff preview show well speaking of the playoffs and the playoff preview show to anyone listening here I want to plug, you can join myself along with Kyle Campmeyer and Joe Meridian. 
We'll be doing the NUIC football playoff preview show. Now it's NUIC football bringing it to you, but we'll be breaking down eight man class 1A, 2A, 3A, all the teams, all the brackets on both sides of the state, the North and the South. I, I mean, I give Kyle a ton of credit. He does a ton of research. I mean, I, I would like to say I do some research myself, but Kyle really knows his stuff when it comes to the playoff projections. And he usually has it called out before they're even unveiled. So he's usually on top of it, which is great. But we'll have eight-man covered, like I said, with Joe Meridian out of Polo from WLLT. And then Kyle and myself bringing, you know, the 11-man, you know, one through 3A. I'm excited. I've been going out there for the last, I believe this will be my third year going out there. And it's a great time. We'll be live on YouTube on Saturday night, starting at 7 p.m. We'll be breaking down the brackets as they're released by the IHSA. So head to YouTube, search out NUIC football. We'll tweet out a link this week so you can find it more, um, you know, more quickly. But uh, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great show. You're going to get a ton of information out of it. So I encourage everyone to listen to that or watch that on Saturday live at 7 o'clock. Yeah, great show. Every year always is. I'm unfortunately being... The out of town or I'm never able to join live, but you know what I like, I like Saturday night because I have your show on. And as the, as the brackets come out, um, I like to gather all the team logos and tweet out the matchups. So, you know, that's, that's my bit of fun when playoffs come around and get to kind of learn more about some of these teams that we don't necessarily know much about or don't see all that often. Now, when we're talking one, a, we're going to see a lot of, this, of the similar teams because we're talking about a lot of teams in the same conferences. They're going to be playing for that. But you know, when we get into Luckily, we, we cover schools that are in 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, 6A, 7A, whatever. And so just to get to see some other teams and learn about other teams, that's what I like most about this time of year. Yep. So the NUIC football playoff preview show will be focused on the smaller schools. But of course, you can join us. We'll be talking playoff potential outlooks this week for the Western Big Six. We'll get into that in a minute. But next week, any playoff teams in the Western Big Six will be breaking down their matchups. Certainly Quincy and Geneseo are going to be there. We'll be talking about their games for sure. Moline has a shot to get in there as well. So we'll certainly be breaking down those matchups and those brackets here on the podcast. And usually we end up diving into the other brackets too, just to kind of look around and see what's out there. And of course, uh, you know, we talked about it throughout the year. We cover this area, the Western side of the state of Illinois, but stay tuned for the end of this episode Mitch and I have been doing our homework a little bit. Mitch, you got a couple teams. I got a couple teams from each of the, you know, brackets to watch out for. Some we've seen the projections, kind of seen where teams may fall in the brackets. So now we're going to kind of look around the state and see what teams catch our eye as potential teams that could be making that march to Illinois State in that final weekend. Yeah, you know, there's other uh, other resources that that we enjoy. If it's if it's Edgy Tim, if it's the Seuss, if it's anyone there, Friday Night Drive. You know, they're they're the experts when it comes to maybe the bigger schools. So we'll be sure to share all the information that we can that they put out because they they do great work. They've done great work all year. So, but as as the small school experts that we are, uh, self proclaimed experts that we are, um, you will, we'll try and cover every team in depth for anyone that wants to listen. Because I'm sure this time of year we get a lot of out of town listeners, and we'll we'll do our best to share what our teams have to offer. Yep. Well, before we start getting into everything here, you know who we got to thank, Mitch. We sure do. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, 
and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com or go ahead and shoot Cal Breedlove an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more info. Now, Greg, this is something that you're working on right now. Is that right? Well, I was just going to say, Mitch, not only do I promote and support Breedloves and, you know, through sponsorship here on the podcast, but I'm a customer. I'm actually in the process of designing uniforms for my son's baseball team as we speak. Well, not literally as we speak right now, but I was doing it last night. I sent you a couple mock-ups. So, you know, we're working through some things and trying to get the colors just right. But Hey, I'm a uniform nerd and, uh, you know, Breedloves gives me the ability to get in there and tweak it myself and, you know, use their uh, uniform builder. And so it's been a ton of fun. So yeah, we've used Breedloves for my son's team for, I think this will be our fifth year. So, uh, Definitely happy with it. Love our service we've gotten and love the jerseys they provide. So excellent. All right. Well, Mitch, you know, you can also anyone listening, you like what we're doing here. You want to support local high school athletics. You can support us through PayPal. You can head to paypal.me slash view from West pod. Go to PayPal, search us up paypal.me slash view from West pod. Any way that you want to support us is great. Always, you know, just Tell other people about what we got going on here. Just any way that you can, you know, get us, get our names out there, get more people listening, people who'd be interested in listening to high school football. We'd appreciate that. So here we are, Mitch, week eight, looking ahead to week nine. Yeah. What, you know, the biggest matchup that we'd been waiting for in the Western Big Six happened in week eight. It was Quincy versus Geneseo. Quincy continues to prove that they are the best team in the big six. They get the win here, 35-7 to over Geneseo. We're going to talk about this matchup, but if you really want to get the inside scoop, if you want to get all the details on this one and everything that happened on Friday night, of course, go check out the Instant Reacts podcast from last week. We were joined, Mitch, when you're joined by Matt Shuckman, I don't need to talk about Quincy. I'll get it from the guy who's on the sidelines. So, He was a great resource to have on the podcast, really giving us some of the context for how big this is for Quincy. A great win for them this season, but historically, what a win this is. Quincy now one win away from going 9-0 in a season for the first time since 1935. So, I mean, you're talking all-time history here in this Quincy program. We're right in the middle of it. This was was a great game. Um, You know, as you said, this is the sixth WB6 crown for Quincy. Um, and they just, they, they had a really great night. They played well on all three phases of their game. Um, but I think the defense is what stood out in this one against Geneseo. They, they held Geneseo without an offensive touchdown. They scored off of the opening kickoff. And then after that, they never even got into the red zone. So we've talked a lot about Quincy's defense this year. Um, not as much as the offense, but maybe, maybe the defense should uh, get maybe a little bit more credit because they're playing really, really well. And this is a testament to their whole season effort. They, they finished in the Western Big Six undefeated. They fulfilled the prophecy that we predicted in the preview show that Quincy would be the champions this year. So this has been a fun team to watch. Really looking forward to uh, their week nine game, but then also into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, great effort this week. Jareus Rice, 215 yards and three touchdowns. Tykel Hammers, Aiden Byquist also finished with 100 yards receiving. Overall, it's just, you know, week in and week out, you see production from this Quincy team. 
Mitch, we're not gonna we're not gonna go much longer in the suspense here. We already have our Matthewson's mini helmets player of the week here. We're going Jareus Rice. Week in and week out, he's putting up the numbers. He probably could have earned it a couple times along the way here. But yeah. for week eight, when he clinches, helps his team clinch the Western Big Six crown, let's go with Jareus Rice as our Matthewson's mini helmets player of the week. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great pick. He's had numerous good weeks numerous award worthy weeks him and, and everyone right brain little as you mentioned tyco hammers aiden byquist all the guys on on that quincy team just play so well they're so much fun to watch i watched this entire game and just watching their offense you know they they can spread you out they can they can go right right down your throat they have so many options but Dreas rice has been so good all season and uh, to reward him here with the week eight award i think is it's pretty worthy. So great win for, for Quincy and a great performance from Rice. Yep. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for your high school football player, check out Matthews and Mini Helmets. They offer totally custom mini helmets or decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. So congrats again to Jareus Rice. He is our Matthewson's Mini Helmets Player of the Week for week number eight. He has a customized View from the West Mini Helmet on the way. All right. So more results from the Western Big Six. Moline gets the 41-10 to 10 win over Galesburg. Hey, Mitch, how about we give a shout-out to Grant Dahlstrom and QC Sportsnet on the call. Yeah. And also, our guy Matt Wheaton was there covering the game for the Galesburg side of things. So good to see him back, you know, out in the high school mix. We miss his weekly coverage. And uh, Grant Dahlstrom does a great job for Moline. He's, I see him tweeting out, you know, some of the highlights from the games and his calls and Really cool to hear him. He does a great job. He had a lot to talk about in this one for sure. Yeah, this is a, this is a good win for Moline as they keep their hopes alive. Pablo Perez had three touchdowns. Corbin Schnell added two. Xander Ely had another one. So they're sitting at four and four, heading into a really big game here in week nine against Sterling. So now we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more in a minute. Obviously, if they get that fifth win, that makes them eligible for the playoffs. It's not always automatic, and in Moline's case, they need a little bit of help. Even if with a win, they need a little bit of help to make that top 32. Yeah, that's really interesting that, you know, five and four is always the benchmark, but yeah, I don't think it's ever guaranteed. It's the it's the sixth win that really guarantees things, right. but we'll, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Either way, Moline has set themselves up for the opportunity. They, you know, they've given themselves the chance in week nine so one more result here. Rock Island gets the 14-7 win over Sterling. Gartar, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Huge win for Rock Island. Mitch, we've been talking all year that, you know, this, you know, Fritz Deodone-led team trying to find themselves, kind of struggling out of the gate, but they get a win here. They had gotten a win over United Township. So they're building some momentum and they still have some pieces coming back for next year. So I think this is a, you know, this is a great way to build some of that momentum heading into the, you know, the second season under Fritz next year. Yeah. We, you've seen, you've seen flashes, right? Both, well, both literally and, and figuratively with Rock Island. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're a quick team, but also you kind of sense that they're putting things together here little by little. So, you know, right hand up. I didn't see Rock Island winning in this game. So um, you could call it an upset. You can call it whatever based on the records coming into this game. But yeah, I, I think for anyone who's been frustrated or um, been a part of this kind of rebuild or, or down year for Rock Island, just hang in there because they're showing signs that they're going to get back on track. Um, great win here for Rock Island. And, and Gartar continues to have a really, really nice season. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, impressive win for rock Island. And, you know, to be honest on the other side, it's, it's gotta be disappointing if you're on the Sterling end of things, because you got that big win over rival Geneseo. And although, you know, they did, they weren't offensively, you know, running away with that one either. They did what they needed to do defensively. They slowed down a great Geneseo team, but in this one, I mean, I really thought they'd score some more points just based on what we'd seen throughout the year for rock Island. But credit, like I said, credit to Rock Island. They showed up and played the game, and and Gartar proves to be that standout player. Yeah, and look, the, the weather was was pretty rough on Friday, right? So yeah, certainly Rock Island had to play in it too. But Sterling likes to sling it a little bit, and and certainly those those weather conditions could have affected that. But either way, not taken away from Rock Island's win. Great win for them to pick up their second win on the season. Yep. United Township also got the forfeit victory in week eight with the forfeit win, which would have been the Allman slot. But you look at the Western Big Six standings, and it's all been decided here, as we talked about. Quincy went undefeated 6-0 in conference play, so they wrap up the conference title. Quincy will be in non-conference action in week nine. They will host Muhammad Seymour. The other action around the Western Big Six, Geneseo goes up against Rock Island. Moline at Sterling United Township is on the road at Galesburg. So when you start looking around the matchup that really stands out, that's Sterling Moline game. Moline qualifies for the playoffs with a win, but they would still maybe need a little help to secure that spot. Yeah. So looking at where, where they're at right now in seven, and I think we'll dig more into this class by class here later, but if you look at the four and four teams in seven, a, and there's like, 10 of them, right? Moline sits near the bottom at four and four. And the big reason for that is that they have 28 opponent wins. So if you remember, because they did not fill that Alleman week, not, not because they didn't try. I know that this is a really hard thing to do for teams every single season to try and fill uh, an open slot with a team who is in a similar situation. But this is kind of what happens if you don't do that. So they're sitting at 28 opponent wins and to, to move up those three slots, just call it, you'll need some of the teams ahead of them to lose and looking at, at maybe how that could happen. You've got a couple teams that play. Well, I take that back. You, you have one team that plays a one in seven teams that may get to five, but it's, it's just going to get interesting because they, they again, need some help based on those opponent wins. I don't know if they'll get there even with a win. Yeah, it's interesting to follow along with. Some great information here from Cody Cutter out of the Sauk Valley media. If Sterling does manage to beat Moline, it would potentially, it would be the first time since 1976 that none of the Illinois Quad City Metro schools, that being Alleman, Moline, Rock Island, and United Township, would miss the playoffs in the same season. So obviously with the pioneers not playing this season, you know, that didn't help the help the cause any, but that's, that's a crazy stat there going back to the seventies well, since this happened. Yeah. And if, and certainly Sterling's not in the quad city Metro, but if you threw Sterling in there and said all five of those teams didn't make the playoffs, I, I wonder when the last time even that happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So it'll be interesting to follow along with, um, you know, I'm also curious to see, can, uh, you know, Geneseo bounce back here. They got a game against Rock Island. But again, like we talked about, Rock Island is playing pretty well right now. So, you know, an interesting week nine matchup there. But Geneseo in the playoffs, 
now a matter of seating, you know, where they're going to end up. So this would be a nice tune-up for them. And um, they could you know, certainly use a victory with a little momentum and confidence heading into the playoffs. So, Mitch, anything else from the Western Big Six? Otherwise, we'll move into the track. No, you know, I, I was just going to say that we, we talked a lot on the instant reacts that the Western Big Six strength of schedule was not as good as it has been years past. And so with Quincy being undefeated, that's that's great. They are certainly the best team in this conference. So I think this week nine matchup against Muhammad Seymour will, will really be a measuring stick as they head into seven, a playoffs, which is an absolute gauntlet. I think playing a team like Muhammad Seymour is going to be a good win or lose, right? It's going to be a good chance for them to match up with teams that they're about to see in the next couple coming weeks. Yeah. And I guess let's re, let's go back real quick before we wrap up the talk here. So when you start looking at, you said Moline's sitting at 35 right now in the playoff outlook with yeah. 28 opponents wins. Right. So right above them, or a couple above them, uh, Revis is at, Burbank Revis is at 33. They play on Thursday night. They play a 6-2 and two team. So you could obviously, Moline's going to be rooting for Oaklawn Richards, the 6-2 and two team, to knock off Revis. Yep. You also have Mundelein at 31 playing a 4-4 four and four Lake Forest team. So you're obviously going to want Lake Forest to win that one. And then you start looking at Brother Rice plays St. Rita, which I believe is a rivalry game up near Chicago, and St. Rita's 5-3. and three. Two, two of the <laughs> most, I think they are the top two teams in terms of opponent wins. St. Rita has 50 and brother Wright says 49. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. But right. Those would be some of the matchups we're looking at, right? Those would be the teams, the matchups that Moline would need to go, you know, one way to have them, you know, sitting a little better. Right. Certainly first and foremost though, they have to win. Right. So that should be, absolutely. that should be, that should be their focus. They can't control what happens. We can't even speculate what happens. So yeah, I, they need help. The more that you just talked through it, it looks like it could happen, right? But this is week nine. Any, anything goes. So there's a lot of teams here jockeying for position. But first and foremost, got to beat Sterling. Yep. Well, there you go. For the people listening, there are, some, there are some matchups to watch for that I think go a long way in determining how that all shakes out in the bottom of that 7A bracket. So yep. class 7A and 8A are seated 1 through 32. So they would go in potentially as that 31-32 type of seed in there somewhere. But you win it, to give yourself the best shot to get in, obviously, like you said. It would be fun to see a Moline-Mount Carmel matchup in week one. Just <laughs> nothing. It's putting it out there in the universe. All right, let's, let's go to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Kiwani gets the win over Newman, 34-8. to Brady Clark and Alex Duarte put on a show. Impressive all the way around performance here. For win number seven for the Boilermakers, Newman turned the ball over on the second play and the ensuing kickoff after Kiwani scored. So Kiwani jumped out in this one early. And this is this is impressive for Kiwani to put up 34 points against a tough Newman defense. I think that's a good win for them. Yeah, I think we said on the show, you know, not on the on the instant react show that not many teams have done this against Newman. Not many have, and it it took a pretty quick start for Kiwani, as you just mentioned. So this was a good good win for the Boilermakers. Uh, they looked really good on the field on a, on a wet and rainy Friday night. So uh, good momentum for them. Win number seven. 
Um, we'll, we'll talk about who they have coming up this week. Um, uh, going up against Aurora Central Catholic, but momentum for them heading into the 4A playoffs. Yep. Well, let's talk about Aurora Central Catholic here. Bureau Valley gets yeah. the win 67 to 19 over Aurora Central Catholic. Ooh. Bureau Valley picks up their fourth win of the year after only winning a game last season. Elijah Endress, a former player of the week for us, ran for 136 yards and three touchdowns. Cameron Lemons ran for 165 yards and also had three touchdowns. Bryce Helms, Mitch, you love this, completed his only two passes for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Yep. Connecting with Corbin Shim for 14 yards and Brock Shane for 30 yards. And let's give a little shout out, a little love for a defensive lineman, Aiden Morris. Two fumbles returned for touchdowns for the Storm. What a night. I mean, man, getting this late in the season, you know, trying to pick up positive momentum here. This is a huge non-conference win. Literally 67 points. Yeah. According to Brian Stocking's archives of records that are never wrong, I believe this is BV's highest point total that they've ever had, at least according to Stock's records. Wow, there you go. He's got it all literally written on note cards and uh, notebook papers. I mean, pages for days. So, (laughs) you know, you know, did you ever see back when you were interning at Channel 6 that, I mean, he would bring in at the time, I think it was a book bag and like two briefcases. He might be up to like three briefcases now full of Mm. information. Yeah. Doesn't, Uh, doesn't put it on a laptop. No digital. It's all, it's all analog. Yep. (laughs) I love it. You really got to see it to believe it. It's, it's a thing of beauty. I'll, maybe next week, this week, I'll try to get a picture of it, send it out to Twitter. Yeah, the, the Twitterverse needs to see it. It's, it's a thing of beauty. I love, love Brian Stocking. He is, he is the best. So, well, before we wrap up the Bureau Valley game here, congratulations to Craig Johnson. He is a longtime assistant coach for Bureau Valley. He's actually been on the sidelines for, for Bureau Valley since the school started. So when this, I mean, for the entirety of this program, he has been a constant on the sidelines. He picks up a win in his final home game with the storm as he uh, heads into retirement. So congratulations to him and, uh, you know, enjoy retirement, enjoy some Friday nights where you, you know, don't have the stress of prepping for a game or all that. I'm sure there'll be stuff he misses too, but there's probably some nice parts that come with, you know, the leaving the stress behind maybe a little bit. So congrats to him on a big win there. That, that had to be a great night. Yep. Absolutely. Congrats to, uh, to coach Johnson on an amazing career. And uh, good, good luck in uh, in retirement. And you know, great job to him game planning against Mitch Stormer back in two thousand and five. <laughs> he didn't take much. <laughs> All right, Princeton gets the win, fifty five to nothing over Mendota. Casey Etheridge and Ace Christensen each had two touchdowns. Those those two names, Mitch, they are a tandem. They're a duo that man, they they are dangerous because if if you yeah. key on one. The other's going to burn you. And if you key on both of them, the odds are Noah Laporte can burn you as a wide receiver. This, this team is talented. Yeah. Who had a touchdown reception in this game too. So yeah. Yeah. There you go. So another big win for Princeton. They, you know, they're rolling along here, you know, one hiccup, one late kind of crazy finish against Morrison away from being undefeated. Yep. So this, this will clinch a share of the Mississippi. This would be their sixth straight time winning the, the uh, division and we'll get into the snares here in a second but if with a win uh they will wrap up that outright here this week 
Yep. Few more scores to go through. Rockridge gets the shutout over Hall, 35 to nothing. Schweigen, Deem, Zarlatanis all find the end zone in this one. Rockets clinch, clinch a share of the rock. That'd be their second consecutive rock crown. So they continue to look good. Rockridge does. Erie Prophetstown, speaking of continuing to look good, Erie Prophetstown, they get the win 19-7 to over Sherrard. Mitch, the Panthers have won three straight. Now yeah. the big question is, we'll look ahead. We'll talk about it in a minute. Can they play spoiler against Rockridge next week? This team's riding a ton of momentum here. Yeah, they've been a lot of fun to watch. They, they've been um, getting used to the pressure. You remember that game against Orion that they won, and now this was a tight battle with Sherrard that they pulled away late. So Panthers are looking good. Coach Whitebread's, you know, slow start to the season, but they are really, really playing well. I've, I've enjoyed watching how their offense runs with with Jeremiah Kochevar. So, yeah, the, the way this – again, the way this team is playing, they they could be kind of that – that fork in the road for, for rock Ridge, but I mean, rock Ridge has really been playing well too. So this should be a fun game. I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Well, speaking of teams looking to play spoiler, well, that's a tease ahead. I think Sherrard watch hmm. out. They still could do that. You know, sure. this was a tough sure. loss, but they have a big matchup next week as well. They will be playing Monmouth Roseville who got the 49 to 35 win over Orion Orion was down 21 nothing in this one and battled back, but the Titans would pull away late. Peyton Thompson had 248 yards and three touchdowns, but a great effort from Kale Filler, 344 yards, four touchdowns. Oh, Mitch, okay. We had a tweet that said 420 yards. That was the Orion football tweet that said 420. Okay, well, let's go with that then. I'm not sure where I got 344. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was, I think that I think it was a school record 34. Five completions on 53 attempts or something like that. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Kale Filler slinging the ball on, uh, on Friday all season, really, but really slinging it on, on Friday. Yeah. All right. We'll say, we'll say 420, 420 yards. We'll yeah. go with that. All right. We'll go with the, with the official Orient Twitter account. For all right. So I think the intriguing matchup now here becomes Monmouth Roseville looking for their fifth win. Obviously we know how important that is, but they're playing Sherrard and now Sherrard has already had five losses on the season, but can they play spoiler Mitch in this one? This, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, two talented football teams and you know, it, this could be an interesting game. Yeah, I think so. And it, it, it really does have implications in three a where I think Monmouth Rosa will fall because of all the four and four teams you have, you have Monmouth Roseville playing a three and five team. You have Fairfield playing a two and six team. You have Oregon playing an 0 and eight team. You have Gen Genoa Kingston and Chicago Noble Hansberry playing four and four teams. Then you have Beardstown playing a five and three team. So all of those are, are winnable games. And then you're really, really getting into crunching 34 teams and leaving two out. So for Monmouth Roseville's sake, they, they got to get a win here. Now, the good thing is, is that even in those scenarios, Monmouth Roseville, of all the four and four teams in 3A, they have the most playoff opponent, or sorry, they have the most opponent wins. So like we just talked about with Moline, win your game, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. I like the way Monmouth Roseville is playing. I also like the way Sherrard is playing. So it should be a fun matchup, but for, for the Titans, go out, handle your business on the road, and we'll be seeing you in the 3A playoffs. Yep. One more score to get to. Morrison gets the 51 to 6 win over Riverdale. Morrison scored in their first possession of this one, and they led 37 to nothing at halftime. So the Mustangs continue to look good. They get the big win here. 
So looking at the standings in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, on the Mississippi side of things, you have Princeton, who's undefeated at 4-0 in conference play. You have Kiwani, who's 4-1 in conference play, with their only loss coming to Princeton. On the Rock side of things, you have Rock Ridge, who's 5-0 in conference play. And you also have Morrison, who is 5-1 in conference play, with their only loss coming to Rock Ridge. So Mm -hmm. those are the top of both of the standings here. Let's look ahead at the week nine matchups and then the playoff and the conference implications along the way. Hall will be at Princeton. Kiwani will take on Aurora Central Catholic. Morrison will take on Bureau Valley. Newman will be at Mendota. Erie Prophetstown at Rock Ridge. Sherrard taking on Monmouth Roseville and Riverdale at Orion. So, Mitch, you are breaking down all the scenarios here. Give us what, you know, playoff and conference implications here look like in week nine for the track. Yeah, so quick clarification on how the IHSA determines division winners. It Even if they're tied, they don't go to the head-to-head, which they should. They just will uh, name each team as the co-champion of that division or of that conference, but... What they would do with the head-to-head result of the two teams in question is they would get the the conference representative tag. So while you don't you you wouldn't have an outright conference championship per se, even though you beat the team you're tied with, you would get the conference representative tag from the IHSA going into playoffs. So there are scenarios here from every conference outside of the Western Big Six where we could have co-champions this year and, and the track is one of them. So Rock Ridge wins the track rock division with a win, but if they were to lose and Morrison were to win, they would share it. Even though Rock Ridge beat Morrison, they would share the rock title, but Rock Ridge would then get the conference representative tag. Sure. Same thing in the Mississippi Princeton will win it outright with a win, regardless of what happens with Kiwani. But if Princeton were to lose to Hall and Kiwani wins, that would be a shared Mississippi crown. But Princeton would again get the representative tag. So I looking at the matchups, certainly with with uh, Princeton, I, I think they will beat Hall and win the Mississippi outright. We talked about the Rock Ridge game playing against EP. I, I guess I will predict that we will have two outright champions here this year again with Rock Ridge and Princeton. So that's how that would shake out. Now, to the teams that are sitting on the outside right now, we just talked about Monmouth Roseville. Sitting at four and four, they beat Sherrard. They get that fifth win that would put them in the quote-unquote qualifying uh, standard. Does not automatically get them in. We just talked about the scenarios. I think they would get in at five and four because they have the most opponent wins out of all the four and four teams in 3A. BV is in a similar situation. So a, a tough task here going on the road to play Morrison, but looking at where uh, Bureau Valley sits. They're right now so, 28. They're, they're right, sitting, yes, sitting at 28th and 2A right now amongst, I don't know, 12, 4, and 4 teams. So yep. once again, they've got more opponent wins than anyone below them. But how many of those teams below them can get to five wins you know, you see teams playing, you see like uh, Hamilton County going up against a two and six Frankfurt team. You've got 
West Glenn going up against a one in seven Madison team. Illini West, who we'll talk about in, in the LLC here, they go up against a three and five Central AM team. So again, you, you your focus has to be on just winning the game. I should mention Deer Creek Mackinac is playing against a two and six Colfax team. So I don't think Bureau Valley would get in at four and five at all. If they were to win, though, I do think they would because they have more opponent wins. Yeah. I mean, we should have mentioned it earlier when we were talking about, you know, Monmouth Roseville with a chance to play for the playoffs here. Bureau Valley's right there. It would take it would take you know an upset over Morrison, a good Morrison football team. But right now, I mean, Bureau Valley looked really good last week. You know, they they put up a ton of points. They played really well defensively. So they're riding the momentum, riding the confidence here. What a win that would be for this Bureau Valley program with the way that Morrison's played this year. So they had huge opportunity here for Bureau Valley. And like you said, I think yeah. with five wins and their playoff points, they'd be in. They'd be a playoff team. So, and, you know, what an and opportunity. Again, right. And again, things can get nutty in week nine, right? All of those four and four teams could lose, right? And then you're really in a situation where you, you're getting into the nitty gritty and looking at opponent wins. So, and then you get into enrollments and anyone that's on the bubble might have to drop or come up or something. It, it gets crazy. I would not want to be in that room at the IHSA who has to look at situations like that. So again, handle your business and you're in. If you don't, you never know, but it gets a lot harder. Yep. All right, well, let's uh, take a quick break here and then we'll jump into the Lincoln Land Conference. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for Tackle Twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. Welcome back. Let's get into the results from the Lincoln Land Conference. But actually, the game that took the headlines was a non-conference game where Knoxville took on Fulton. Mitch, the Fulton Steamers win this one 42 to nothing over the Blue Bullets. We'll talk a little bit more down the road in this podcast about Fulton and kind of the statement win this was. But on the yeah. Knoxville side, it's a tough loss, but it's still a non-conference game, and they got everything to play for next week. Yeah, so undefeated season gone. A really tough game against a Fulton team that's been on fire recently. But Knoxville still has a shot at the outright LLC large side title this week against Farmington. Um, two teams that are unbeaten in LLC play. So, you know, um, a lot to play for. Again, it's it's not great, a result like that heading into the playoffs because now you're, you're wondering when Knoxville starts seeing some of these good 2A teams, and there's a lot of them, how they're going to match up with. So maybe we chalk it up to a bad night because they haven't had any bad nights all season. So uh, it's more of a credit to Fulton, I think, that they came out and played well. But 
Knoxville still has a lot to play for. Yep. We'll talk about that huge matchup in the LLC, Knoxville and Farmington in a few minutes. Before we wrap this game up, tough night for the Blue Bullets on the field, but what a really cool honor given out before the game Friday night in Knoxville. As we talked about, Mitch, a lot of times, some stories, they're just bigger than the game of football. So a quick backstory for this one. Back in 1986, on the morning of the Blue Bullets Week 8 matchup versus Lewiston, senior tight end and safety Corey Stearns passed away in a tragic auto accident. At the conclusion of that 1986 season, his number, 84, was retired to make it only the second jersey number ever to be retired in Knoxville football history. So now, years later, before the game, on Week 8, the number 84 was given out to his nephew under the same name, Corey Stearns. So Corey Stearns was given the number 84 by head Hall of Fame head coach Dennis Larson and members of that 86 Blue Bullets team. They were there to present him with the jersey. What a really cool story. The video's out yeah. there. We retweeted it. Just what a really, a really great story to honor a family legacy and, you know, to have that kind of moment was really special before the game. Yeah. If you haven't seen that video, check it out. This is, this is such a cool moment. It, it's really well done by Knoxville. And, and again, you, you mentioned Hall of Fame coach Larson and getting the members of that team together to do this. A, a really special way to, uh, to honor the, the late Corey Stearns with his nephew. So, yeah, this was, this was really, really nice. Yeah. And a shout out to Logan from Brink Sportswear. We just heard his uh, advertisement in the break there. He made the jersey. Brink Sportswear made the jersey, especially for Knoxville. It even includes the name Corey Stearns with the year 86 slash 23 inside of the collar. So just, it was just awesome. It, it looks great. So just a really cool story all the way around. Tough night yeah. on the field, but a really cool memory there for the Stearns family. So. Let's keep moving along, Mitch. Mercer County gets the win, a big, important fifth win for them, 24-16 over Macomb. So they become playoff eligible, the Golden Eagles do. Big win for them. Illini West wins 50-20 over West Hancock. Chargers can become playoff eligible this week if they can get a win over Central A&M. You also had Farmington winning big over Lewiston, the LVC Co-op, 56-6. So that sets up Farmington and Knoxville for that conference crown, which we'd referenced on the large school side of things. On the small school side, Anawan Weathersfield gets the win over Rova Williams Field, 28 to 6. So this was a big matchup that we had talked a lot about. You know, Stark County kind of took the drama out of it and beat both of them. But these are two very good teams that are bound for the playoffs. Anawan Weathersfield gets the win. Zeb Rashid, 159 yards and three touchdowns. Mitch, did you have your eyes on this one for a while? I was watching some of it. Yeah, it's it just Anawan Weathersfield got out to a quick start. They were up 21-0 in the half and, and just uh, played real real tight in the second half to, to pull away with the win here. So we were looking forward to this game all year. Um, certainly, we, we feel that Stark County is going to wrap up this small division having beaten both of those schools. But – this was still a great game between two really good programs. And who knows, maybe we'll see this matchup again in uh, the 1A North. Yeah, 
I was going to say, as you just mentioned, Stark County got the win 41 to eight over South Fulton. So they remain unbeaten. They have clinched at least a share of the small school side of things here. They can go nine and zero with a win over United next week. So the great season for Jade Nord and the rebels continues there. Elmwood yep. Brimfield gets the win 22 to 14 over a town. It was Bo Windish that had 95 yards, including the game winning score on that one for the Trojans to get the win there. United gets a win 22 to eight over Havana. Princeville picks up their fifth win. They get the win 26 to 12 over Rushville industry. So the princes are playoff eligible with their fifth win. Let's look at the divisions here in the standings on the large school side of things. We've already talked about it. You have seven and one at Knoxville going up against seven and one Farmington, both teams undefeated in conference play. So the conference championship on the line in that one in week nine, Hey, that's just the way you set it up, right? We, we talked about all year being excited for this large school side of things in the LLC and it's played out that way. The drama goes through week nine. So that's awesome. Yeah, this is what this is what you love to see. We sometimes, I mean, we've we've seen it before in the years that we've been doing this, where it comes down to week nine. Sometimes it's a conference championship, sometimes it's a playoff uh, spot. But yeah, this is what you like to see it coming down all the way to week nine. This should be a fun game. Yep. On the other side of things, like I said, I made reference to Stark County. Kind of took some of the drama out of this uh, race. They won two games in the middle of the season against Anwan Weathersfield and Rova Williamsfield, so they control their destiny here on this side. They would need a win over United. They would be the LLC small school champions here if they can get that win. They're undefeated on their side in 7-0. You have Anawan Weathersfield, who's 6-1 and in conference play. Right behind them is Rova Williamsfield at 5-2 and, and Princeville also at 5-2. and two. So that's how the top half of that standing shake out there. Let's look at week nine matchups. Macomb at Havana, Illini West at Central A&M, West Hancock at Mercer County, Knoxville at Farmington. That's the one we've referenced. And Elmwood Brimfield at LVC. Mitch, obviously the big one, Knoxville and Farmington. They've been on a collision course all year. So here we go. Yeah, can Knoxville bounce back from a really tough loss against Fulton? Uncharacteristic loss against Fulton, really. And Farmington, with all the weapons that they have on offense, and they're hosting this game. So, as, as we just talked about, everything on the line here for two playoff teams to determine the LLC large division. Can't yep. wait for it. Yep. Somebody's going to have a real nice marquee win at the end of their schedule heading into playoff time, and I'm sure that will feel really good. So, on the small side of things, United at Stark County, A-Town taking on Rova Williamsfield, Princeville at Anawan Weathersfield, and South Fulton at Rushville Industry. So Mitch, break it down for us. The week nine playoff and conference implications. We've talked a little bit about it here, but uh, you know, give us the give us the rundown. Yeah, so certainly um, Farmington and Knoxville, they're sitting way clear in two way, sitting pretty high. They'll have good seedings there. But again, who gets the the conference rep tag? Who gets the crown? That'll be up for grabs. Uh, and on the small side, Stark County will win outright with a win. They would share it with Anawan Weathersfield if Stark County were to lose and Anawan Weathersfield were to win. The other uh, implication here is that Illini West would become eligible with the win. We just talked about them a little bit, that they're kind of sitting um, in, in the mid-30s range right now in that cluster of four and four teams that, that Bureau Valley sits in right now. So, again, 
I think this is a winnable game. Central AM's having a down year. So I do think Line West will get it get there at five and four. Now at 33 opponent wins, they're kind of in the the lower part of those four and four teams. But again, a lot of that's going to shake out. Maybe half the teams get through, maybe half the teams don't. So win the game, get to five and four, you're going to have a shot there. But this, especially in two ways, probably the closest class where even if you're five and four, you may not get in. Um, with Princeville two sitting. I was just looking at Princeville. So they're. Yeah, Princeville sitting at five and three. I think they're fully clear. They're in one a um, they've got 38 opponent wins. Some things can get nutty uh, again. And you've, you've got a really, a lot of good teams in one a towards the bottom. The, the big game there is Red Hill and Carlisle, because I think that might expand the one a enrollment. I think, I don't know who would drop in, but I think that that, that game has a lot of factors that might cause a domino effect, but for Princeville sitting at five and four, sorry, at five and three, if they were to lose to Anno and Weathersfield and they, they come in at five and four, I, I don't see how they drop that far. I was going to say, I would think they'd still have the opponent's wins. They're up pretty high right now. So all right, let's take one more quick break. And then we jump into the Northwest Upstate Illini and Eight Man. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Let's jump into the Northwest Upstate Illini. The one that stood out, Mitch, the battle between Dupec and Forreston. Yes. Man, this was tight all the way throughout. It's a 6-0 win for Dupec. They scored on the seventh play of the game, a 15-yard touchdown pass from Cooper Hoffman to Jalen Noud, and that was it. So mm -hmm. what an effort from the Dupec Rivermen to come away with the win here in a battle of two really good NUIC programs. Yeah. Amazing that Dupec stayed in shotgun most of the night and that they had a touchdown pass because if you saw the <laughs> yeah. weather in Durand on Friday night, it was miserable. Um, yeah. They score on, like you said, the seventh play a handful of turnovers for both teams throughout the game um feel like i jinxed it a little bit but i do blame the dupec broadcast team dupec or sorry forreston hadn't lost a fumble all season they had had five turnovers that were all off of interceptions they did lose a fumble i think that was in the fourth quarter um but towards the end when du when dupec got the ball back they were just handing the ball off to Naud and to hughes and getting those not not chunk plays, not at all. But when when you're fighting for first downs, they kind of seem like chunk plays. They were able to just work that clock and and finally get the win here. So, um, yeah, it, you know, I would love. I think I said on the instant reacts, I would love to have seen this game on a non rainy day, just because you would see two pretty different offensive philosophies going up against one another. But in the end, Dupec gets the win and and a great win at that. Yeah, that's a great point. That on a you know, average fair weather day. How does this game look a little different? But either way, you know, you got to play with the elements that are in front of you. This was a battle. This was a defensive battle by both teams and uh, a nice win for Dupec. 
Borson still has a lot left to play for, obviously. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But yep. when we're talking statement wins in the, on, on the season as a whole, I mean, we start looking around any conference that we cover, the statement win may be Fulton over Knoxville, 42 to nothing. We talked about this non-conference win for the Steamers. They dominate this one over a number five ranked in class 2A Knoxville. I, I mean, I was, I was shocked to see this score. Yep. Because Knoxville has been so good this year, and I've been so impressed with what they do. This is the NUIC flexing its muscle again. Yeah, you know, I said on the instant reacts that we had seen some message that they were sitting, that Knoxville might have been sitting some starters or were, were without some starters. I don't even know if that's true because we, we know that Noah McClay played in this game. So we know that their star back was in the backfield. And it just sounds the more that we, we talk to people who were there, uh, who who watched the game that Fulton just really, like you said, flexed their muscle. And for a team that started out 0-2 are really playing well recently. And, and they're gonna they're gonna be one of the hotter teams going into 1A. Yeah. So Kyle Campmeyer puts out the NUIC football state rankings every week. And Mitch, you and I both contribute to that, as well as yep. several other several other people with a lot of football knowledge from around the state, not just our area, not just the NUIC conference, but from around the state. So, you know, he puts them out every week and there's been, you know, some, some reaction to the Fulton team continuing to be ranked where they are mm-hmm. every week with now sitting with three losses, man, in my mind, they justified ranking with this win. I think yeah. they completely validated where they've been put in, in the top 10 because this is a good football team. And regardless of they've had losses against some really good top quality programs, we've seen how good the NUIC is year in and year out. I will say when I'm putting my rankings together, I'm more focused on what team can win on any given Friday. And this Fulton team really proved it to me. Yeah. It's like saying that, you know, East St. Louis shouldn't be ranked as the top team in six a, cause they've lost two games. Or like saying St. Rita sitting at five and three isn't one of like the top 10 teams in the entire state because they're five and three. Like you got to look at the body of work and you got to look at who they've played, who they've lost to and who they've beaten. And so the uh, full and three losses, right? Two teams came, our two losses came to teams ranked above them. And the third one was to a three, a team. So this was, yeah, I, I have no problem ranking Fulton where I ranked them and where the the group, so to speak, put them because the way that they've been playing, like I just said, I think makes them a pretty good, I, I don't want to say contender, but they're going to be a really hard out in the 1A playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mitch, you talked about, you know, people who were there, you know, on the scene for this one to, you know, give us some uh, talking points about Fulton. I was texting back and forth with Tony Z, the voice of the steamers. He was on the call for 1390 KCLN. You know, he texted me back and forth uh, Saturday morning saying he was still in shock from what he saw. Cause you know, I don't think he saw it coming either. Maybe he saw a win, but not this kind of win. He said that Fulton surprisingly won this game with their offensive line, that they ran the ball. They stuck with it early and that they really got the job done on the ground. He said Fulton defensively looked most the most aggressive that he's ever seen. So yeah. that they were keying in on McClay and that, you know, he wasn't able to get very much. And that right there is a statement to me. If you can limit what Nolan McClay does, 
I, I think that's a great defensive effort because I've seen the talent yep. he has on the field and his explosive playmaking ability. Yeah, I mean, that entire blue bullet offense, right? They, they have a number of running backs that can beat you. So McClay is one of the top backs that we talk about. He's certainly still one of the top backs that we talk about. So it, it, again, it's a credit to Fulton's defense. And, you know, if, if Tony's saying it's the most aggressive he's seen and he's seen a lot of their, their, their season, um, I think that's spot on a, a great performance from, from Fulton. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's go into a few other results here. Stockton gets the, the big win over Dakota 14 to six. I say big win because this gets the Blackhawks to four and four with a game against Galena next week. So they're looking for that yep. playoff eligibility. That fifth win, we'll talk about that in a second. Carl Hub had 114 yards and a touchdown to give the to help, help the Blackhawks get the win. Lena Winslow gets a win, 50 to nothing over Galena. Dunker, 162 yards, four touchdowns. Lee Wynn now has at least a share of the NUIC title for the 11th time since 2000. Of course, we give a hat tip to the NUIC football and Kyle Kampmeyer for that stat nugget there. They can win outright next week with a win over Forreston. Talk about that in a second. Eastland Pearl City also gets the win. 44 to nothing over West Carroll. That game was on Thursday night. So like we referenced, the updated standings in the NUIC, it all comes down to Lena Winslow, who's undefeated, and Forreston sitting at 6-1 and one in conference play. They meet up in week nine. So we'll talk through the matchups. But Mitch, give us what we got here to look forward to in week nine and the playoff implications. Yeah, so Lee Wynn would win the NUIC with it. Win it outright with a win, obviously. Um, if if Forreston were to beat Lee Win and Dupec were to win, they would all be sitting at seven and one in conference and would be the tri champions there of the NUIC. Which then it gets a little nutty because I don't remember what the tiebreaker is when you have three teams that are tied. So I don't know if it's points. I, I, I'm not quite sure. So if that were to happen, if Forreston were to win, I don't know who gets the conference representative tag there. Um, now, if you were to ask me, I, I think Lee Wynn will take care of business and we won't have to worry about that. But possibility remains. Uh, Fulton, sitting at five and three, certainly eligible at the moment, not quite in per se, but looking at 1A, I certainly think that they are a lock. They're sitting, if, if you look at just how the, I should, I should say has them ranked at the moment. They're right at 21st. They've got 40 opponent wins and they're going to get a six win. They're playing West Carroll, right? It's no offense to West Carroll, just a tough year and Fulton's playing really well. So they're a lock, no problem there. Um, and then you look at Stockton who sitting at four and four, got to have a win to become eligible, but looking at where they are, they're not too far from Fulton. They're at 28th right now. So towards the bottom of those 32, but, of all the four and four teams remaining in 1A, they have tied for the most opponent wins with Fieldcrest. And Fieldcrest has to play Leroy. So that's then they're seven and one. So that's a tough matchup. But you'll have Tuscola. They play Oblong. They'll get to five and four. You've got Nokomis, who plays uh, Sagamon Valley. They'll get to five and four. You got a couple other teams here. Again, we talked about that Red Hill Carlisle game. But again, I think Stockton can beat Galena. I think they will beat Galena. And I do think that. Five and four will slide them into one A. Yep, that sounds sounds right to me. Mitch, let's talk through the NUIC and what we got in Week Nine here. Fulton will go on the road to West Carroll, which you referenced. Well, uh, Eastland Pearl City will be at Dakota. 
Lena Winslow at Forreston, which we talked about, Stockton at Galena, and Dupec will go to a neutral site, actually. It's uh, at yeah. Illinois Wesleyan to play Belleville Altoff. That's an yep. interesting matchup against an Altoff team that we'll talk more about in a little bit, but they're eyeing the Class 1A playoffs. And I don't think right. Altoff has been a 1A school, I don't know, maybe ever. So, and they're playing really well right now. That's an interesting 1A school, potentially. See what Dupec can do there against them. I'm, I'm curious to see that matchup. Yeah, I think so too, because we, we hear a lot about Altoff Catholic and they've got some dogs on that team, guys with D1 offers. They don't play the toughest schedule though. So I, but it's I, a bigger I schedule. It's a bigger schedule, but bigger, not- sch- bigger schedule, but not, they've only got 34 opponent wins. Yep. Um, you know, to give you an example, Anwan Weatherfield has more than that. Forreston has more than that. Uh, Lee Wynn has slightly less than that, but still. I think that, well, I guess that doesn't, does opponent wins, does that only count teams that you've played at the moment? It's not like, like Lee wins 31. That's not counting Forreston's seven, right? I, I'd have to do the math really quick. Right. People okay, are screaming sure. at their computers right now. Cause they probably know right. the, Kyle you, Campmeyer is screaming because he knows morons. the answer right now. Right. Either way, getting sidetracked. I, I, I looked at their schedule. They have the talent. I don't know who they've played. So I think this is a measuring stick for both for both Altoff to see for us to kind of measure where we think they'll finish in 1A if they can get through that south bracket. Or for, for Dupec, how they match up against another really good 1A team and have some momentum going into 3A playoffs where they'll face similarly talented teams. Yeah, yeah. And that's very intriguing non-conference matchup there in week nine. And obviously the marquee matchup in the NUIC is the matchup we look forward to every year. It's Forreston right. and Lena Winslow. So, you know what? A couple of years ago, Mitch, you were texting me in all caps with all kinds of, with all kinds of uh, was, emojis. Two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago when Forreston pulled off, you know, what was the upset, you know, at the time and Lena Winslow had the last laugh in that one. They, you know, they bounced back and made it to the state championship and won it. Late. They played each other again in the quarterfinals that year, right? Or semifinals? I believe they would have played each other again, yes. Re- yep. Yeah, was that the rematch? And then they got, yeah. So, uh, again, the, week nine gets crazy. Um, we we certainly have been impressed with Lee Wynn for every game for the last, you know, 16, 17 years, let's say, just to round it up. Um, but with – with Forreston being at 7-1, we still have felt that Lena Winslow is maybe just a little bit better than they are. So we'll see what happens on, on Friday night. Where's that game that is at Forreston? So, um, yeah, look, looking looking forward to that one to see who will reign supreme in the NUIC. Well, let's jump into eight-man, Mitch. We'll talk eight-man for week nine, and then we'll talk a little bit of playoff implications here for the eight-man ranks. Before we do that, of course, we'll talk about the results from week eight. Amboy gets the big win, 72-12 to over Orangeville. Running back Landon Welchel and fullback Quinn Leffelman rushed for three touchdowns apiece. Brennan Blaine caught five passes for 106 yards and a touchdown. He also had an 18-yard touchdown run. Eddie Jones at quarterback, six for six passing, 123 yards and a touchdown. He also ran one in. So great effort there from the Clippers. They're rolling right along. West Prairie gets the 26 to 20 win over River Ridge. 
Milledgeville gets the 36 to 16 win over Decatur Unity Christian. Polo got the forfeit win over Quest. And Milford Cisna Park got the win 34 to 18 over West Central. So the Heat fall to three and five. So they will likely fall just short of the eight man playoffs there. But a great season last year, winning a state championship. We also had Ridgewood getting the 36 to 14 win over BPC, Bushnell Prairie City. Hiawatha getting the win 46 to 22 over Ashton Franklin Center. So we'll move ahead into week nine, looking at some of the matchups here. Ridgewood, six and two, going on the road to Galva. You have West Central at West Prairie. Bushnell Prairie City, they're at four and four. So this is a big game for them, but they go on the road. Tough test at Milledgeville, sitting at seven and one. In the North Two side of the conference, you have Polo at seven and one. And Amboy at 8-0. They're going up against each other. That's a huge matchup. That's the marquee matchup in eight-man for week nine. Quest Academy goes on the road to Orangeville. Actually, we should see if they play. They forfeited last week. I don't know if they'll play this one. We'll see how that one plays out. Big game for Orangeville. They need the win to get to five. Alden Hebron is at three and five. They go on the road to River Ridge, who's four and four. So big matchup there. And another matchup to watch for around the state, Mitch, in eight-man. St. Thomas Moore at 8-0 goes on the road to Martinsville, 7-1. So another key matchup there. So let's play through, read through some of the scenarios here for week number nine and what teams need to do and what the impact will be. Sure. So Ridgeview, or sorry, Ridgewood, 6-2, 4-0 in conference play. You know, Galva's winless. Looks like Ridgewood probably will get a win and they will clinch their conference. For BPC, Bushnell Prairie City, they have four wins with Milledgeville left. Um, looking at what Kyle is is projecting them maybe to be the last team in the 16-team field with a 4-5 and five record if they lose that game. So a lot of intrigue there if they can sneak in. If Amboy were to win, as they have all year, they'll be the North, they call it the North 2 conference champs. If Polo wins and Milledgeville wins, and I, I'm assuming that if Amboy loses, you would have a three-way tie at the top of that conference. So, Well, yeah, because um, Polo is playing Amboy. So if Polo wins, then Amboy oh, sure, would right, have yeah, to lose. You're right. My bad. <laughs> yep, my bad. Um, I'm not so, yeah, good at that, math, but I can figure that one out. You, you, you're very right there. Um, <laughs> so, again, we, we talk about the Week 9 intrigue and things getting crazy. This is one of those things. So either way – Really looking forward to the playoffs in, in eight-man. We like it every year. You know, you get the championship game before the 11-man championships. So a lot of good teams here, a lot of good matchups that we maybe saw once and we'll be seeing again uh, come playoff time. Yeah. You know, when we start looking around the state, we'll talk about it in a minute, um, about teams to watch for from outside of, outside of our area. But two of them, St. Thomas Moore and Martinsville and eight-man meet up. That's, you know, that along with Amboy and Polo are two great matchups, two teams that we could see playing deep into the playoffs in eight, man. And they're all squaring up here in, in week nine, man. We talked about it last year. This eight man playoff field gets really fun because the matchups, they jump right out right away, right? A 16 team bracket. Those matchups are right there, right off the bat. So it's, it's a ton of fun to watch how it all plays out. Well, Mitch, are we ready to jump into playoffs, you know, 
brackets here and we'll look through some projected brackets. Kyle Kampmeyer, again, does a great job of putting out projections that are pretty close to spot on. He does the math and breaks it all down. And there's a formula that goes behind it all. And I've never really taken the time to master it, but Kyle has. So Kyle has. So we'll use some much, of his. Much, much to the chagrin of angry Twitter users, but, <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's usually pretty spot on here. Well, his projections, his brackets. I mean, I'm saying his, uh, you know, his bracket. It doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Even then people get upset. So. so anyway, looking through his, you know, potential projections, what are some of the teams that you see as, you know, threats, you know, to make a deep run from outside of our area, from outside of the sure. area? Who are teams that, you know, our local listeners should know about, I guess. Let me give you a name here because it's an, it's an all name type of thing. Peace Bumba from South from St. Thomas Moore. He's yep. a running back and a linebacker, explosive player. Um, you know, he he's had he's had weeks where he's got close to 500 all purpose yards. You know, it's just it's crazy. So um he he's a really good player. Um you don't see a lot of D1-esque offers coming out of eight man, but Peace Bumba is one of those guys. He, he's been on visits to ball state to Eastern Illinois. So, you know, he's a, he's a really, really fun player. Like you mentioned, they're, they're undefeated. Um, could, could be one of those teams that challenges Amboy for, for the title or any, anybody really, but um, that'd be, that'd be my big one piece Bumba, I think for Martinsville again. And I think this is going to be a really good game on, on Friday or Saturday, whenever they're going to play this game. But um, Martinsville's got some really good players too. So if I was looking outside of our area, I certainly, I certainly like the odds of uh, an Amboy or a Pola or a Milledgeville to win. But outside of our area, I look at St. Thomas Moore and Martinsville. Yeah, I, I look at those two as well. I think the other name that stands out to me, the other school that stands out to me, is within their division, that Central One division, and that's Milford Cisna Park. Milford Cisna mm. Park is sitting at 6-2 and two right now their only losses being to Martinsville and to St. Thomas Moore, two teams you just referenced. Now, that loss to Martinsville back in week one was only 22 to 14. So I think they're right there. I think that they, you know, they're right along in that conversation as well. But I agree. I think that, you know, the strength of the eight-man division has been, you know, on this side of the state with Amboy, Polo, Milledgeville. So, and and Ridgewood this year. I think I wouldn't leave them out either. So I think, um, you know, that's where I look at in that eight man rank. Let's mm -hmm. move into, let's move into class one a and talk through kind of some teams that we look at and the team that stands out, Mitch, we already referenced it. It's this Belleville all tough Catholic team. It's, it's a tough read, right? They've never been in one a, at least not in recent years. They're going to be in that South bracket but they just don't play a lot of 1A schools. They play a bigger schedule. So when they fall into this 1A division, it's it's interesting. And to, Mitch, talk through some of their, you know, some of their recruiting star power here. Yeah, they, they've got they've got some really good kids that are juniors. So right off the bat, uh, Deer Hill is a junior, four stars. Right, don't see a ton of that in our area coming through. So, um. Got a lot of looks um, from from big time programs. Same thing on on their line. They got a D tackle. 
uh, named Jason Dowell. They've got a cornerback named Charleston Colden. So some really, really good players on this Altoff Catholic team. Again, I'm not, I'm not convinced just based on their schedule, but I think the Dupec game will, will show us what kind of star power that they've got and how far they can make it in this 1A bracket. Yeah. You know, another team I would look at, um, Gibson City, Melvin Sibley, who teams in our area are familiar with. Forreston, you know, just beat them, but it was a close game. I think Gibson City, Melvin Sibley had a lead early in that one. That's another team that I would look at on the southern part of that bracket. And then you look at, you know, I always wonder, what do you get with like Hope Academy and Aurora Christian, right? They always put up big name, big, big numbers. And they're teams that are hyped up, but a lot of times they run into a they run into an NUIC team who who can play more physical, and they and they get by them in the playoffs. So yeah. I'm always interested to see where they where it shakes out. Yeah, because you know hope hope came in last year undefeated. They won their first round game sixty nine to nothing, and then they got pretty much destroyed by Forest and Forest. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know. Well, yeah. And, you know, again, we if you don't know the Chicago Hope story, it's really cool. It's, it's a really good program. They're doing incredible things in that area. I mean, they went out to California to play a game this year. But um, again, you get the Aurora Christians, you get the Chicago Hopes that have these really good records coming out of the area, but then they get into these 1A playoffs um, and and kind of meet <laughs> meet their maker. But They've got talent. They've got speed. They're a fun team to watch. They just beat Bishop McNamara 57 to nothing. So yeah, they'll, they'll be one of those teams highly ranked in one a, and we'll see how far they can get before they run into uh, an NUIC team or, or anyone for that matter, track team, whoever, like you mentioned. Yeah. I think on the Southern half of that bracket, we should also mention, obviously camp point central, right? What head coach Brad Dixon is doing down there is, you know, phenomenal. You know, that, that team, that Panther team is always in the mix. They're right there again this year. They're going to be one of the best teams on that southern half of the bracket. Can they get through? You know, though you'd think they'd run into all top at some point. I mean, I would expect. So can they get through and make it, you know, back to a state title game? Okay, Greg, let's play a game. <laughs> Take a guess at how many points Camp Point Central has allowed this year. Ooh, um, is it under 80? significantly okay <laughs> okay lay it on me let me run to the results here um these are these are the amount the opponent have scored yes eight 22 zero six zero six zero six <laughs> so Woo. we can we can only imagine based on that that they're going to shut out west central co-op here based to go on the oh six oh six oh six here uh, <laughs> yeah um, I, I was digging around today, looking at teams and just looking at who's scored a bunch of points, who hasn't, they're certainly up there in, in terms of defenses who have not allowed a bunch of points. I think Seneca or, uh, Sycamore, I'm sorry. I saw like has only given up 46 points. So really, really good defense. Again, a team that has made it out of that South bracket before has all the, all the inner workings to do it again. So yeah, you're right that they will be the Panthers coach Dixon, would love to see them make it out of the South once again. Yeah, he's a he's a Westmer uh, Westmer warrior from our 
our area from our part of the state. Good guy. Talked to him last year in an interview before the state championship game. So it'd be fun if, if I'm talking to him again, I'm sure that means uh, good things for him and it'd be a fun conversation once again. So jump into two a Mitch, who are some teams that kind of stand out for you in the two a bracket from outside of our area that we should be watching for. So it's a lot of the names that we're familiar with, right? It's Moreau Forsyth, a team that is always in contention for two-way. Another team that's always uh, up there, Tri-Valley. They're going to be a problem in in two-way. I'm looking at Seneca, Bloomington Central Catholic, who is going to be playing two-way this year. The two-way side has a a really, really strong field, I think. Just even, uh, again, you've got teams like, in our area, Farmington and Knoxville up there, but then um, in Rock Ridge, I should say, but then you got teams like, uh, let's see, Westville, who, who has been there. They, they played for a state championship within the, the past 10, 15 years. Um, Shelbyville is undefeated. Um, what's the, what are they called? The Lovington Atwood Hammond. What are they better known as? Uh, yeah, I know that's, yeah. Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond. Is that the whole? Yeah, something like that. They're undefeated. <laughs> They're undefeated. So, you know, two ways got some really, really good teams that we've seen um, in the past. Mercer County's down there, obviously, that we talk about a lot. So, yeah, two ways got some really good players. But if you narrowed it down to those four, um, Maroa, Tri-Valley, Seneca, Bloomington, Central Catholic, you could very well be talking about a champion coming out of those four for sure. Yeah, I think um, Seneca is an interesting story because they have two forfeit losses or two forfeit wins. So, you know, so they've had, you know, only really are going to end up having played seven regular season games. I don't know what that means in the grand scheme of things, but also it would indicate that their schedule may not be as strong as what their, you know, record, you know, record's going to be nine and oh, is it a strong nine and oh? No, I don't really know that, you know, I guess that'll be yet to be determined. That's an interesting case there the team that stands out to me in two ways bloomington central catholic i think if memory serves correct mitch didn't mercer county nearly beat them in the first round a year ago it came down to the end and rock ridge did end up beating them in the second yes. round i believe that's correct yeah yeah but it seems like that was a team that maybe was a year away and this year they're potentially looking at nine and oh that mm-hmm. could be a team that potentially could be a wrecking ball in that two a North bracket. They, they just, they come from a good conference. I think they're going to be battle tested. So we'll see where they end up. Um, on the other side of things, you know, breeze modern day, you know, they could come in somewhere around a 10 seed. Um, they could be potentially dangerous. Athens, um, you know, is kind of in the mix every year. So a couple teams there, but yeah, it's interesting. See how this all see how this all shakes out. But I would agree with you that Moreau Forsyth up top is a team to watch for. Tri Valley is a team that you know we're always familiar. You know we're always watching for in this in this time of year in this bracket. So, yep. Class three A. Here's some names for you, Mitch. Teams you, you gotta play, watch. <laughs> you want to play another game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Let's play another game, Greg. How many points have the Byron Tigers scored this year? Well, I, I will said, preface it. Okay. What's that? I said, okay, go ahead. I will preface this by saying I just looked at it. It is the most points scored in the state this year. How many they've scored? Yes. Okay. Also, also, now that I'm looking at it again, you get to have two guesses. 
for how many they've scored and how many they've allowed. <laughs> Are they over? Uh, let's see. They 400. They are over 400. Okay. Are they, are they under 70? For allowed? For yes. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I switched gears. Sign- significantly. Okay. okay. Give me the numbers here. They have scored to my eyes, a state high 494. Oh my points. gosh. So not even like a little over 400. They're, their lowest total this year was this past week when they were playing previously unbeaten Dixon in which they scored 49. And that's their low. Yes. Wow. Jeez. They have, a, they have allowed 38 points this year. <laughs> Ooh, four okay. shutouts, four so- shutouts and two games where they have allowed six. So, yeah, um, to anyone listening, if you don't already know Byron, you do now. Watch out for Byron in the Class 3A bracket. They're likely going to be the top seed. They're likely going to be 9-0. and the, defend, the, the defending champions. And the weirdest thing is they yeah. looking at their, their results, uh, their highest point total they allowed in a game was 14, and that was to an 0-8 team. So I can only imagine that the starters and maybe even the fresh soft team was in that, that game. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, you, you always look forward to the Byron results just to see how many points they've scored. Um, they are really, really good coming out of big Northern. And again, the defending three, eight champions. If I was a betting man, I would, I would think this is a good bet because Byron is so fun to watch. So yeah, Byron's in there. Uh, Montini Catholic is in there. I think we've been talking, I think Kyle's been talking a lot about Roxana so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I look at Byron and don't look much anywhere further just because yeah. I think they're so, they're so good. They've been so fun to watch. Um, well, you got, you got eyes on anybody here in three A? Well, I was going to say, yeah, I'll get to them in a minute, but I think that basically in this three A bracket, you swapped out IC Catholic and you swap in right. Lombard Montini is essentially what's, you know, what's happened here. So yeah. And that's, that's tough. I mean, those, those teams are, you know, they're, they're a tough roadblock because they, in this 3A bracket, they come down and they've been tested. They played a really good schedule. They've earned, you know, the right to get to the playoffs and potentially Montini's going to be five and four heading in and they'll be right. a battle tested five and 14. That's, exa- that's exactly what I was going to say, because, you know, you look at, um, and I could mispronounce this. So tell me if I'm wrong. Is it, is it Duquine? Is that how you pronounce that? Duquine. DeCoin, they're yep. undefeated. Uh, Sullivan Oqua, they're undefeated. Other teams like Wilmington, who won a Wilmington, couple years ago. Yeah, Wilmington yeah. won a state championship a couple years ago. They, was that two-way that they won that in? Uh, yeah, that sounds correct. Yep. Okay. Either way, they're 7-1. St. Joe Ogden, 6-2. and two. Olympia, who we, who we talked about, 6-2. and two. Tolono Unity, 6-2. and two. And then, again... Montini is sitting at five and three and could very well come in. They're playing St. Lawrence. Who's a good, a good program. They Montini could be coming in at five and four and make a pretty significant run. Yeah. Um, the other team I look at um, Stanford Olympia, um, they come out of the Sangamo conference. They've been battle tested this year. When you start looking at the likes of, um, you know, their schedule, they lost a close one, 14, six to Athens. 
but they beat Williamsville 27-20. They lost another close one to Moroa Forsyth 35-26. But otherwise, they've taken care of business. So they've played some good teams, and they've gotten you know a big win in there. And that Williamsville game is a nice win. So I think that's a team that I kind of watch for. They were on the rise last year, and they're they're back in the mix again. So, so those are certainly teams to watch for in Class 3A. Some familiar names that we just referenced there in 3A. Mitch, a couple names that people are probably familiar with in Class 4A as well. Let's give me yeah. some of the names. The big one is is Rochester. Um, you know, Derek Leonard now the only Leonard that's uh, that's that's coaching now that his dad has. Uh, retired from well uh, and and Derek Derek Leonard at Rochester they're in like a a championship drought here right they they didn't win last year I don't know I mean what's wrong with them they haven't won in a a year I mean my goodness he might be on the chopping block here soon but they're undefeated (laughs) um a really good team they play Sacred Heart Griffin this week that's always a fun matchup you've got only three teams undefeated in four a Murfreesboro who plays undefeated to coin this week and uh Greenville so you know, looking around, just names that you might be familiar with: Richford, uh, Richmond, Burton, Boylan Catholic, Dixon, um, Carterville. Which I think that's who Geneseo had to play last they did. year. Is last right? year, yep, way okay. down south by Carbondale. Yep. Um, but we we kind of mentioned them a minute ago. Icy Catholic is sitting in four A this year. Yeah. Um, they're they're sitting right now at six and two. They've lost two in a row. I think they had some starters that were hurt. And plus those losses were to the number one team in the entire state in Loyola. And then they lost to a Chicago De La Salle team. Or sorry, they beat De La Salle. They lost to Wheaton St. Francis and then lost to Loyola. So two of the better teams in the entire state. But now they're they're healthy with players that are back from last year's state championship team in 3A. So despite moving up in a class, I expect with, with not many big names in 4A, and depending how things shake out, how fun would a Rochester and an icy Catholic championship game be? Yeah, there's certainly potential for that. I mean, it's, yeah, no surprise that icy Catholic is a dangerous team in the, in the playoffs. You know, that's just, that's what they've proven year in and year out. But, you know, you kind of mentioned it, like looking around this four a bracket, man, if, if Geneseo can kind of, you know, get things rolling here, the green machine can, you know, get back on the right track here. I think that they could be, they could do some damage in this, in this playoff field. I mean, you yeah, know, out, outside no of the teams, outside of the teams that you referenced, there's not a lot of teams on this list that really like scare you. I don't think. Um, while we're sorry, we skipped a three, a, or sorry, we skipped a four. A. I want to jump back one second to three. A. Yes, sure. Did you see how many yards of the, the Eureka running back had this past week? No, I did not. He had like 435 yards oh and like seven God. touchdowns or something. Yeah. So if we didn't include Eureka in our three, a maybe throw them in there. Cause yeah. they can certainly run the ball. Yeah. So yeah well, I, there, I, there's I, another game. I would have failed if we wanted to play a game with that. I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, and then again, you look at Cole city, right. They're always, they're always a, a player. Um, St. Lawrence. Yep. Benton. So there, there's certainly some names here, but they all just, again, there's only three undefeated teams in 4A. There's only maybe five or six, five, seven and one team. So I think there's quality teams here, but just looking at the, the records, it, it could be open. I mean, Cahokia is sitting at four and four. 
Um, so St. Viator is sitting at four and four, a team that Sterling played last year or the year before. So definitely some names we recognize, but there's just not many that stand out other than Rochester and IC Catholic, to me anyway. I, I We don't cover Corey a whole lot outside of Geneseo, so I don't really know, but I know Rochester's good. I know that. Well, we mentioned Geneseo. We should mention Kiwani as well. They're sitting up there right now, ranked right. number yep. seven in the list. How fun would a Kiwani Geneseo playoff matchup be? Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. That. That'd be great. So yeah, they'll be. So I, I think Kiwani will get up to eight and one here this week, and I think Geneseo will probably get to seven and two. So yeah, um, see how things shake out here this week, and then uh, when the four A gets ranked. Yep. All right, Mitch, you, you went above and beyond. This this would be what I call extra credit for you. You also gave some teams here for 5A through 8A. So we're going big mm-hmm. time here. So I don't know. If Edgy Tim is listening, he can laugh at the t- the teams we say and the teams we forget. And he this is more his yeah. realm than ours. But we'll, we'll try. Yeah, he'll be like, why aren't they talking about <laughs> Nazareth or something? Uh, Actually, Nazareth has been a good story. Have you heard that? They should probably, yeah, they should probably be included in this list. Anyway, they were like 0 and 4, um, and now they're sitting at 4 and 4, four, I believe. Four and four. Yeah. Um, maybe the top two teams in 5A, Morris and Sycamore, they play each other this week. So that's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Sycamore's, Sycamore's only allowed 46 points this year. It feels like Morris went on a run a while ago and you haven't really heard of them. I mean, I think they've been doing well, but I don't remember when the last time they won a title was, but they had some down. Yeah. I mean, they were really dominant in the, you know, early two thousands, late nineties, and then they've kind of gone up and down a little bit, but yeah, I think this is, you know, first time in a while that they're kind of back on the map. I could be wrong, but I think that, you know, it's been a while since they've really been dominant. Yeah. Let me see what they did last year because they were 10 and three last year but i don't remember where they ended up they went to the semis where they had that shootout against peoria and lost 76 to 56 oh my gosh yeah 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 so morris is you know uh historically a really really good program good to see them kind of back undefeated so this game against sycamore will be a lot of fun i've seen a game i've seen a game at sycamore I've never seen it for as cl- growing up in Ottawa, as close as I am to Morris. I never went to a game at Morris. Mm. Do, I don't know where that one's at this week, but that'd be an awesome atmosphere, no matter where it's at. Yeah. Um, boy, five A's got some bangers. I mean, <laughs> you've got, you've got uh, Carmel Mundelin, you've got Glenbard South, C- um, Muhammad Seymour, which Quincy will see, Prairie Ridge, who played for the title last year. Uh, Morton's still undefeated. Joliet Catholic is sitting there at six and two. Providence Catholic, Nazareth, LaSalle, Peru, Bennett, all four and four. Uh, Grays Lake, four and four. So there are a lot of good teams here in 5A. And again, looking at who I wrote down, I think Morrison Sycamore are probably the two better teams and we'll see who's the better this week, but a lot, a lot of historic good programs in five, a this year. Yeah. I mean, you read through a whole, you know, list of them there, but um, yeah, when you're talking five, a you had Metamora. Did you say them? Nope. Very and good. you have uh, who else did I just read that I, now the name is escaping me, obviously sacred heart Griffin. I'm sure you mentioned them. 
Uh, let me let me say this. How many? I said four ninety four for Byron, right? Yeah. Um, the I think I would say this is the second place team, as always, the Peoria Lions. Yes. Who put up ninety two earlier this year? Oh my gosh. Um, and have put up games of 76, 62, a couple games in the 50s. They're sitting there at 6-2 and two with their losses being to two undefeated teams in Rochester and normal community. Yeah, that, that's, that's the other team I was going to call out because they're, they're explosive enough to be very dangerous come playoff time. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen the games. I mean, they're unbelievable. So just, we were just talking about with Morris, and then I think that that state title game, I don't remember who they played, but it was like 46-44. to 44. Who'd they, who'd they play? Was that when they played um, Crete Monet? Yeah, they did play. Yeah, who was that? They played a... Uh, was that last year? I'll look it up. Was that last year? I, Yeah, might have been last year, and they fell fell a little short, didn't they? This is this is 5A, right? Yep. They Okay, nope. They they played um, Nazareth, and Nazareth won 45 to 44. Okay. Um, I remember that game being crazy, so... It was, yeah. Which a lot of Peoria yeah, games so, are because they, yeah, because they're right. willing to put up yeah. all the points and, you know, you got to keep yeah, up so with a them. Lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good teams in, in 5A. This should be a fun bracket to kind of watch how it unfolds. All right, Mitch. Three left. Let's go to 6A. Whew. Okay. Uh, maybe the best jerseys in Illinois. Kankakee sits here in 6A. Love it. The K's. Um, the K's. They are undefeated, I want to say. Is that right? I'm going back to my screens here. Um. Yes, undefeated. They and play they're the Crete top Monet. top seeded team right now. Yep. Yeah, they play Crete Monet here this week. They are the only undefeated team in six A, oddly enough. Um, but not to take away anything from Washington or East St. Louis. East St. Louis is already done for the regular season. They get a forfeit win here in Week Nine. Well, a huge um, matchup. Huge matchup in six A. Washington ranked number two right now in six A in the playoff outlook goes up against an undefeated Morton team. Who's up in that five a and they're seated. I think uh, number three Three. in the five a outlook. So huge matchup there in the Peoria area. Yep. Uh, You've got Dunlap who we saw earlier this year, sitting at six and two could make some noise. Uh, Glenwood Chatham's there. Lamont is sitting at four and four. That's a really good program. They got 43 opponent wins sitting just on the outside right now. And they play a seven and one team um, here. Carrie Grove, Carrie Grove is a team we saw a couple of years ago, pull off yep. the huge upset against uh, East St. Louis. They're always a team that's yep. in the mix. So. Yep. So again, a lot of good teams here, Caneland's Simeon get five and three. So again, only one undefeated team in six, a, but a lot of quality filling out the rest of the bracket. Yep. Yep. Well, more quality and some undefeated teams in Class 7A, but only one will be undefeated at the end of this week. Mount Carmel 8-0 goes up against 8-0 Loyola. I guess they're in 8A. They're the number one ranked team in 8A, but undefeated teams there. That's a huge matchup. We already talked about St. Rita at some point earlier in this podcast. Oh, and we're talking about Class 7A and where Moline falls. They're sitting in 5-3. They're a potential team to watch for. What are some um, other, you've got, uh, you've got, obviously, you've got Chicago. Yeah. You've got Chicago Lincoln park. Who's undefeated right now. They are going up against also unbeaten Chicago Payton, who is in five a. So, um, should be a good one there. 
Quincy, obviously we're talking about them, but this is where you get into Batavia, Lincoln yep. Way Central, Lincoln Way West, St. Charles North, Downers Grove North, <laughs> Chicago Rita, like you mentioned, Wheaton North, Yorkville. This is this is murderer's row. I mean, 7A is so tough every single season. Um, a lot of good football that comes, obviously, out of the Chicago area. But, you know, when you've got a Wheaton-Warrenville South sitting at 4-4, four and four, or you've got Buffalo Grove or Hoffman Estates are both sitting at 5-3, and three, a lot of quality, quality football being played here. I think Mount Carmel is, is still the favorite there. Shout out Jordan Lynch, NIU legend. Um, <laughs> see what they have here against uh, Loyola Academy this week. But – uh, they are the defending state champions, right? In seven A, Mount Carmel. Sounds right. Yep. So, yeah, they're they're look they're looking good, and I can't overlook Normal Community too. A very good program there. That'd be a fun story for Normal Community to make it to uh, Illinois State, be playing for a state yeah. title in their backyard. Yeah, wouldn't be too much travel. Yep. Yep. All right, Class Eight A. What do we know about uh, the biggest class in the state? We know a lot. And when I say we know a lot, we know very little because we don't cover <laughs> anything. Um, as mentioned, Loyola Academy, who did they lose last year to Lockport in 8A? Uh, you're putting me on the spot. They were 13 and 1, but I don't remember. So they lost. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. Um, no, yeah. they won. They beat they beat Lincoln Way East. I don't know who I'm thinking of when Lockport won. Doesn't matter anyway. That was a couple years ago. Yeah, but I yeah Lockport won a couple years ago. They're all running together. Uh, I think Loyal Academy will be the top dog here in 8A. But you've got Lincoln Way East. You've got York, uh, South Elgin. You've got Maine South, Joliet West, Glenbard West, Manuka, Lockport. The names of names, and, Naperville North, Downers Grove South, Oswego, um, St. Ignatius, Niles West, just a whole bunch of good, good programs that play really, really tough football with good players. So, you know. Um, and potentially and potentially a ton of travel there when Edwardsville starts winning some games. They're sitting at 7-1 and one right now. So right. some teams are going to have um, to make a trip to Edwardsville. See, 1-32. through 32. Not everyone exactly. complains about travel. Yeah. Um, what, what did I just say? It was it was Loyola. They beat Lincoln White East last year. Is that what I said? Uh, I yeah. I don't want to look it up again. It could be <laughs> fun if that was a rematch. Those are always two really good teams. Lincoln White East is always really, really good. But I think Loyola Academy is the star of the show here in 8A. Yep. Yep. That sounds about right. So, all right, Mitch. We've uh, I think we've exhausted all of the talking points here. We've talked through our schools, the other schools, and every school in between. Are you, are you prepared? Are you ready for, (laughs) are you ready? Are you ready to go to bed? But then are you ready, you know, to regenerate and be ready for the brackets? You see, that's the thing is like, you you feel like we just named off all these teams and we can say who's good. But now when the brackets get released and we get these matchups with teams that we've never seen before, then we have to really dig and, and find more out about these teams. So the work's not done, right? This is just kind of laying the groundwork on who we think might be good. And again, anything can happen. We could see four and five teams get in. We could see 
five and four teams not get in. It's it's all going to come down to something minuscule that is not the fault of, of a team. It's just how things shake out sometimes. So, yeah, let's we're, we're going to take one thing at a time because the next, you know, the handful of days here coming up gets crazy from when we talk, when we do the instant reacts on Friday. Yep. And then we do playoff uh, pairing show on Saturday. Yep. And then we record on Monday, which will be the round one preview. There's a lot of work that's going to happen in those three <laughs> days. So, um, but this is, you know, we always talk about that. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It, it truly is. There's nothing like Illinois football in the playoffs in the fall. So it's all worth it. We've, we've done nine weeks, eight, eight weeks of this so far, about to be nine weeks. And then we can we can handle a couple more weeks of really exciting football. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I would say get your sleep now. Rest up in the next couple of days because then we, like you said, the grind is on from there. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be doing our homework and getting all the info we need. So uh, thank you to, so much to everyone who listens, to everyone who will continue to listen into the playoffs. We'll be here each and every week breaking down the matchups, talking about the brackets, and talking about, you know, what teams to watch for. Of course, as we said in the beginning, on Saturday night, when the IHSA unveils the brackets, you can tune in live on YouTube, NUIC football playoff preview show live on Saturday night at seven o'clock. It'll be Kyle Campmeyer, myself, joined by Joe Meridian from WLLT. He does Inside Eight Man podcast. He knows all he needs, he knows all we need to know about the eight man ranks. Kyle and I will jump in with the 11 man and we'll have you all covered there, not just locally, but around the state with the brackets as they're unveiled. It's always a fun night. So I encourage everyone to head out to YouTube and, uh, you know, seek out that link and we'll retweet it as well. You can find it there, but, um, yeah, Mitch, we'll be back one week from now. We'll be talking the brackets ourselves here on the show and we'll be, uh, you know, seeing what our teams have facing, uh, hopefully not too many local matchups against each other. We want to, you know, try to avoid that in that early round, but we'll see what happens. You right. never know in the one through 16 pairings, but um, I'm excited. I'm ready to get going. I'm ready to talk, uh, you know, talk brackets, not just projections anymore. Right. Yep. And then again, you, you get the benefit of going to some of these first round games and experiencing afternoon football on a Saturday in the fall. And that's just a lot of fun to, to talk about and, and to see and, and can't wait to see what, what you and, and the score crew and everyone else is going to be covering these games um, has to offer. Cause it is, it's wonderful. It's just great. Oh, Saturday afternoons in uh, late October, early November doesn't get any better than that. So uh, yep. we'll be here and I hope you're along for the ride. So uh, to everyone listening, we will see you next week. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.